Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's November 19, 2021. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Are there any other poker casts anymore? I don't even know. I'm assuming there's dozens. Uh, I would say there's probably thousands now. Thousands, okay, thousands. So I've, I've got a lot of, you know, balls saying that we're the best one, and I don't yeah. even know if there's yeah, other yeah. ones out there, right? Oh, we, we've always been in the top three at the beginning, because there were only three. That's so right. <laughs> we always got that going for us. We did win now, the now-defunct Bluff uh, Award for Best Podcast Once. That's right, that's yeah, right. Yeah, so that yeah, was interesting. <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah. We, we sound like there's a, we're like those guys that wear our uh, letterman jacket back to the 20-year college <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> i've scored four touchdowns in one game at Polk Hope. <laughs> oh bundy all right we have a new world champion and are down to the final week of action at the world series of poker and before i say this week's updates i completely screwed up last week which i'm sure you realize now chris and all of our listeners have screwed up so i give all my updates off of the wstop.com updates page right yeah so it makes sense now that they only put events up there that there are actually updates for. So last week when I thought that we were, I, I got surprised. I'm like, oh my God, we're done already. Nope. <laughs> so plenty of events left. Yeah. They just went to the update page. So, uh, mm-hmm. so, so we still have uh, five days left, folks. So sorry about the false alarm last week. Well, I was going to save this till the end, but it, to me, it's just bizarre to have events after the main event. It's like if this were a four-act play or a movie, it'd be the denouement, you know? I, I, I just don't get the point of it. Uh, nice there. Great, thank you. <laughs> I, I don't understand how these events even happen. I just, I don't know. It, it's like, uh, yeah, such I mean, a letdown. I, I know what you're saying, but but it's interesting. A lot of these final events are high-roller events. So uh. wondering if the thought is, hey, we just put, Fifty million dollars in a couple people's hands. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe uh, they'll dump it back into the prize pool. I don't know, but as, uh, I didn't really realize how top heavy the, uh, the main event prize pool was until um, putting together the show notes for this, and, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it's just like, hey, the Packers won the Super Bowl! Yay! Now <laughs> we're gonna have four more games that mean nothing. <laughs> you know, that's why the the Pro Bowl was always crap because it's like the denouement of football. Who wants to watch that? 
All loving right. your journey today. Thank you. All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right, Corey Aldemir of Germany has won the main event, pocketing $8 million, pushing his career total to $20 million earned in tournaments. He defeated runner-up George Holmes, whose only previous recorded cash was for $50,855 in the 2019 main event. Aldemir is now third in the Player of the Year race with 12 events remaining. Uh, Dragana Lim was the last woman standing in this year's main event, bowing out in 64th place for $95,700, which she will use to start a new animal foundation. Nice. And former Andrea Proust passenger for Team Nanji was the second to last woman standing, finishing 90th, and that was fun to watch her through this whole process. Uh, Scott Ball won event 68, the $1,111 little one for the one drop for a second bracelet of the series. He is now in the lead for the No Limit Player of the Year. Brian Hastings won 70, event 73 the $10,000 stud eight championship for his fifth career bracelet. I uh, just announced uh, yesterday, Elliot Lezra is this year's lone inductee into the Poker Hall of Fame. And yes, after many, many years of rumors, it is now official. Next year, the World Series will move from the Rio to the convention center in between Bally's Las Vegas and Paris Las Vegas on the Las Vegas Strip. Movie star and high stakes player Vince Vaughn will serve as master of ceremonies next year. I hate to be <laughs> that guy, but <laughs> you love to be that. Guy. I love I to be that guy. guy. I'm totally, totally lying. I love to be that guy, but I, I, I seem to. This should be a time of positives and happiness, and and I'm always finding fault with things in this World Series. I don't know what it is. Um, like for instance, you know, Elia Lezra being the lone inductee in the Poker Hall of Fame. We, we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show, and I, I really don't want to stretch it too far, but, you know, I remember seeing an interview with one of the living Hall of Fame members, and they were talking about how the players who are winning tournaments, you know, it's not real poker, and, and it doesn't make sense to have the media vote on them, because they have no idea if these are quality poker players, and but it just seems like it's just going to be the good old boys you know, club and Elia Lezra certainly deserves it. We we are not doubting that at all. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but it's like if they didn't play with the people or if they didn't know them, these guys aren't getting in. You know, and then so then they're just going to have to rely on statistics like anybody else would, who could be a perfectly objective third party voter. Who you know what I mean? It's just. I have a problem with the Hall of Fame, and I just always will probably. And then narrowing it down to one inductee was the crap we've talked about before. But I, I don't want to be negative. I, I'm I'm not being negative. I, I just don't understand it. And then, like, why is there a no-limit player of the year? Either you're the best player for a series or you're not. I, I, I'm not – I guess I'm not trying to be that guy. And then, of course, I've heard all of the bitching about Bally's in Paris as a convention center and – you know, what it's going to be. It's going to open up a whole can of worms for problems for getting there on time and getting dinner. And I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I, a lot of negativity here. I'm not trying to be negative. But let's just be positive that Thanksgiving's around the corner. We're going to have a big fat meal and fall asleep. You know, you know what I got to feel like after listening to that rant? I feel, I feel like the re- rental car lady and playing strings and automobiles and you're Steve Martin. <laughs> I thought you were going to go Seinfeld there, you know. <laughs> Anybody can take a reservation. It's holding the reservation that's key. Yeah. But, yeah, play straight. Oh, man. Here. I always look forward to good Chris Casenza rant. So I, I, I don't disagree with you on most of this. Uh, I mean, again, uh, the World Series of Poker is a money-making uh, marketing event. So 
I can see why they have 18 different players of the year because that's 18 more press releases they can put out instead of one, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, and, you know, it rewards people that are good at one style game and not another. Again, it probably dilutes the whole thing. So, I, you know, I understand that. Um, uh, you know, I, again, I'm not going to pile on on. I agree with you completely on the Hall of Fame. It's just the way it is. We can start our own po- Poker Hall of Fame if we're not happy with it, right? We're going to. We're going <laughs> to. Um, and, uh, I mean, it, it, Regardless of the problems that may or may not happen next year, and I generally think that people overreact to that kind of stuff and assume that there's going to be a problem that um, that may or may not actually exist. Um, you know, obviously, they're going to run this event. It's in their best interest to make it as easy to participate as possible because that's how they make money, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I would think that they've already started thinking about how to make this work as well as they can in the new um, new home. Um, but you're never going to recreate the Rio from the ease of parking standpoint or the ease of getting around. I mean, it was just a beautiful place to have it, right? You had acres and acres of parking. Um, you know, even if you had to park a half a mile in the back of the parking lot and sweat your balls off and walk in there, um, you still could find a place to park, right? And then, then you didn't have to go, you didn't have to see any other part of the Rio to play, uh, the world series. So, I mean, it, it was a perfect place for, um, for players. I mean, now, obviously, the, the flip side is that, you know, if you're staying on the strip, now it's easy. You don't have to use a car to get there. Um, so, you know, there, there's going to be pluses and minuses to it. But I, I'm going to give um, Caesars uh, the benefit of the doubt that they, they know what they're doing here. You know, let's be clear, too. They're probably going to sell the Rio. That's the whole reason they Oh, yeah. Them. Oh, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So it, it's not like there's an option to go back there <laughs> that they decided to. Uh, they just say, hey, this is going to be better. I think they, they're making the best of what they know operationally is kind of what is going to happen. So, and correct me know. if I'm wrong, and I probably am wrong, but didn't they already sell it or something, and they had a two-year extension or something? Yeah, right? I think you're right. Yeah, it's, it's um, That's why they had to get out. Operating agreement, yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> um, so, yeah. So, it is what it is, folks. So, um, so on the positive side, on that note, uh, I'm a big Vince Vaughn fan. I think he's awesome. Um, so, I like the fact that they brought in a you know a movie star who also knows poker to be the master of ceremonies and he's a funny, freaking funny dude. I wonder if he's gonna bring Speaker City stuff. Or I was gonna say a- that is he gonna have like Snoop Dogg <laughs> with him when he's uh, hey, everybody give it up for Snoop Dogg, you know? That would be fantastic. And it's Vegas, so he's gonna be crashing all kinds of weddings. That's gonna be exciting. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, so yeah, I mean, I, one of the things that's interesting because I've been reading a lot more Vegas articles now with my little side gig, and one of the things I always like about Vegas is is they, they they're always trying to like um, PT Barnum each other, right? It's always a big show. There. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and I just think that's really cool that there's one city in the world that this nonstop is just trying to show each other up and just be the, as big as possible. So I know there's going to be some poker purists that are like, man, it's gone. I'm like, yeah, or why do we need a master of ceremonies? Uh, but I think it's cool. I think it's just, it, it's showmanship at its best. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't have a problem with it. He's a poker player too, at least, you know, it's not like it's just some random movie star. I mean, he actually plays yeah. poker, so. Yeah, and he's so money too, you know. <laughs> what I love most about our show um, is that we've now talked for ten minutes and really haven't even really touched on the main event because who cares? <laughs> right? We're a show about poker, and we're like, oh yeah, that Corey guy won, but you know, let's talk about the stuff that matters, like bitching about other stuff. I know what else too. I I was very impressed with your uh, pronunciation of Fatima too, because you know a lot of people would see it, 
think it's Fatima, you know, but I have a friend named Fatima, uh, and she's Portuguese, and that's, Fatima, so yeah, and that's how they pronounce it, and it's terrific, and she, no, she wasn't a passenger on one of our Los Angeles cruises, uh, no, she's the Bermuda cruise. Bermuda. Oh, okay. All right. Very cool. Can I remember that because she was dancing with my wife in the little, uh, they have these little, if you guys haven't been to Bermuda, they have these little um, bird cages on street corners. Yeah. Uh, uh, which we thought was hilarious. And so we have photos of my wife and, and Fatima dancing in there. But they're, they're, that's what the cops are and the traffic cops use. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, fantastic, okay. though. That's fantastic. But yeah, it was fun to fun to watch her uh, her run. Um, you know, I'm sure she would like to have been the last woman standing, but um, she um, she I think her previous best was 600 or something. I think so. I mean, that's impressive enough. I mean, I, would, I mean, I haven't even played it. Yet, right, right, right. So, uh, so to top it with 90th, and uh, she gets such a great rail from all the folks that she knows from all the cruises that she's been on. She's been on car player cruises a lot more than ours. Um, so that was fantastic. Uh, but then, yeah, so I kept up with updates and then, you know, I checked every day. Um, and then I saw that she, she bowed down. I felt bad, but then, and 68,000. Wow. Now that's a, still a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's almost seven times your buy-in, but 90th place out of 6,300 players. Yeah. That's when I'm like, wow. And then from an 8 million on top. Yeah. For you know the 89th player after you, uh, I I don't know. I think maybe the the it just seems really top heavy. I, I didn't see the math. I don't know what the math is. It may actually make perfect sense. So I'm not criticizing. It, it was just kind of surprising. I don't I don't spend a lot of time. I don't think a lot of people spend a lot of time looking at the payouts for anything after the final table, right? So right. Uh, I've never seen what 90th made before too. But I'm like, man, eh, 68,000. Geez, that's a lot of work. That's that's day seven she bowed out, and I think so. I mean, that's yeah. Because I, I would hate to make seventy thousand dollars for a week's worth of yeah. you know, work. I, I, I hate that. That's not enough for me. I haven't made seventy thousand in like ten years. This is what happens when I take the negative route in our relationship <laughs> and come swooping in with the positive side. I double down, buddy. I double down. It's what I do. Good cop when I bad cop. <laughs> but you know, again, it gets back to your whole PT Barnum and headlines and stuff. I mean, they want that big number on top to say. Eight million dollars. We paid eight million dollars, even though they didn't pay any of it. But you know, that's the key yeah. to it, right there. But still, um, I didn't watch any of this. I watched a little bit of the Poker Go early on, and I had no problems with it. Nothing exciting enough for me to bring it on the show and talk about it. But uh, um, but uh, but it definitely sounded like there was a big rooting interest in George Holmes last night. This is kind of another uh, Chris Monkey moneymaker kind of every man kind of guy, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and obviously he's a decent player. I mean, in, in this realm, I mean, you can't compare it to 12 million versus 50,001, but that's a nice payday. Absolutely. Um, um, and apparently, you know, he was running bluffs left and right that were just leaving people's, uh, jaws on the ground. So he held his own against, um, an extremely, uh, accomplished player, um, and other accomplished players at the final table as well, too. So, Certainly think he has a career ahead of him. So, do we think this? I I didn't look into the the stats of Corey uh, during the series, but did he like get propelled to third on like all of this, or did he have other caches and stuff? That because I mean that's to win the main event and get the third place already, and then you could literally win Player of the Year by just playing the main event, and then the the denouement of events at the end of the <laughs> thing, right? Three times. <laughs> Three times. You know, you thought I was done, but I went back, got one in one last time. But uh, really, I mean, did he have other caches? Do you know? I, I, 
I well, I think I, if I remember correctly, in last week's show, we said it was 1,600 to win the main event. So, uh, and he has 2,900. Okay. All right. So then he must have. Okay. So he has some other caches as well, too. But, I mean, and again, we uh, we talked about the player of the year um, rant that Helmuth went on. And I guess one of the things that I forgot to mention in that, in that discussion was that uh, everybody has been trying to do player of the years everywhere. I mean, not just in poker and everything, right? And where it gets really difficult is when you have these outsized events with smaller events, right? Because yeah. any yeah. of these mathematical formulas – they're always going to juice up that that big event. So these these leaderboards work much better when you have, I mean, in theory, if you had the same size of event and the same players <laughs> throughout right. the whole thing, that, that would be a perfect scenario, right? right? But this isn't that isn't how it works. So there's always going to be a problem one way or the other. Uh, these big fields are going to skew each other. I mean, if you take out buy-in i mean then it probably equalizes a little bit because there were some larger fields in this series they just didn't have ten thousand dollar buy-ins but if you take that out i mean theoretically you're assuming that aside from the main event which lots of people play but these other 10k events are populated by pros mostly right they can can afford it so and then theoretically it's more difficult to make a final table in that one than not so the, the formulas are never going to be perfect, and you can keep tweaking it all you want. I, I think the people that do a good job, and I know our friend Dan Ross at Holdem Radio has done a really good job with the leaderboard we use for the World Championship, and I think he uses for other things too. But, but he does, he runs a lot of scenarios afterwards just to see, hey, if you tweak this, who would have won? Um, or if you get it better. So, you know, as long as you're constantly tweaking it, um, I have no problem with it, but it's it, it, it's always going to be. Imperfect. Do, right? do, do you get the idea that the people who come up with these systems are the same people who came up with the weighted GPA when you were in high school? Because <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. when I was in high school, the perfect GPA was 4.0. How could it not be, right? An A is yeah. worth 4. And all of a sudden, this guy's got... I got a, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy's like, oh, I got a 5.3. Like, what? How is that possible? There's only an A, you know? But no, they, they give them extra points for these harder classes, so... It's like that's what they're doing with these. Oh, if it's a main event, they had to pay ten grand to get in. It's weighted, or if it's a world championship or the fifty k, you know, players championship, whatever. Okay, it's weighted more, and that's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> you know, it's not right. I just thought like Channing Tatum and uh, 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 shoot, I've lost the movie. I love that movie. That, that, uh, I, you know, it's like I guess it's true. Like I, I, I certainly would think that my. A in applied physics is a lot tougher to get than basket weaving 101. Yes. You know, yes. so I guess that's, it makes sense, but they should just have an overall system, you know, that explains everything and not, you know, make the A, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's too much negativity on the show. Let's be positive now. <laughs> All right, the Women's Poker Association has launched a new program to support women who play poker. It's called the Purple Tie Guy Program. King off the organization's color of purple and the fact that its gatherings and events are called purple parties. Men are encouraged to wear a purple tie guy pin or patch at events to show they're committed to making the game of poker more inviting for women. we got to get Oprah Winfrey involved. Oh, yes. Right? Color purple. She's phenomenal. Fantastic. And this should make she put, like, main event buy-ins under her seat. You get a main yes. event buy-in. Yes. You get a main event buy-in. Yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Oprah's favorite things are purple ties, you know. But uh, I, 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 it's, it's kind of, I don't want to be that guy again because I just said let's be positive. <laughs> but it's interesting because they knew that no one would wear a purple tie when they played poker. 
So they call it the purple tie guy, but and they give him pins or patches to wear about a tie. If you're going to wear something, you'd wear the purple tie. Well, I mean, I mean they're in, they, they can wear a purple tie if they want. I mean, right, I mean but, ties to play poker, though. You so know they're not I, going I think to. The tie is probably because that that's a male thing. There's no, I mean, again, it's 2020. Yeah, yeah that's not right either. Yeah, but be still. I mean, majority of folks walking around wearing ties. Again. Did you not watch Survivor last night? I mean, I have not. Yes, it'll spoil it. All right. Well, there's somebody on the show who's not a man who wears a tie, and it's like, hey, so it's not a man thing. It's a tie. So I don't know, but I'm very, very happy about this, though. I think it's great. I think that the key has always been the behavior of men to making it a much more palpable environment for women to play and comfortable and and so this is a great way to do it you know i just thought it was i just i was trying to be funny that it's weird that yeah, I know. you can wear a tie if they give them a pin with a tie on it it's just but it makes sense it's less obtrusive but it's something it's subtle it's like the everybody wears the pins you know what's the pin this year at the oscar is going to be you know or yeah or whatever but i like it and really I'm happy. Same with patches and poker as well too exactly exactly so that's really uh, cool well, what I like about it, because this has always been a difficult thing. We've talked about this on the show a lot, you know, how you, how you actually make this real change. There's a lot of these summits and stuff where they come up with a list of ideas, but how do you actually affect real change? Um, and I'm not saying this is the solution to it, but what I like about it is it's it's symbolic, in, but in a way that encourages conversations, right? So mm-hmm. if you're sitting down at the table and there's a guy with a purple tie pin or patch, that's going to start a conversation at some point or hopefully, or you may at least right? invite the conversation. Right. And that's what really happens. And now you're starting to spread the word and you get people to understand a little bit more that may not have thought about it in the past. Um, and you know, again, we go back to the survey that they did. And I, if I remember correctly, I think the number one thing, uh, that keeps women from playing is intimidation at the table. Right. So, yeah. so I could see, I mean, you don't always, I mean, certainly a tournament, you don't get to pick your tables, but in the cash games, uh, you have some degree of control over where you play. So, you know, uh, you know, a good player does a lap around the room before they put themselves on the wait list to kind of check out games. Right. So, and if you find a table with five guys wearing purple tie guy pins, that might be a good game to get in. Right. Indeed. So cool. So, yeah, I really like, like it. I'm happy. Happens, so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, this week's update on Poker Room reopenings. Uh, in Massachusetts, Encore, Boston Harbor hopes to reopen its Poker Room by February 1st. And I'll pause for lots of cheers for our Massachusetts folks. Yeah, <laughs> right. Plugging me. What do you know about Encore? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but then, uh, finally, they, I mean, it's not official, but it's going to be their target date is February 1st. So right, right. Once that reopens, that gives up to 285 reopened Poker Rooms, and not too many big ones are, are left. So we're a big corner, I think. So. Um, and then remember, we'll send out that email uh, when I remember com slash reopen when I don't remember. And email us changes at editor at ntfmagazine.com. And one more plea and thank you for those folks. And we got three or four of them this week. So definitely appreciate the help. Awesome. Uh, any updates? Papes, the Antiup fans free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money sites available everywhere. Details on how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th of every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Antioch Fans Group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call-the-floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Antiup logo designs on merchandise at antiupmagazine.com slash shop. You can buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone, and laptop cases. 
coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of Annie Up Magazine, Annie Up Poker Cast, or Annie Up Poker Tour logos. If you have a hand of the week, a listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast.annieupmagazine.com or post in that aforementioned Annie Up fans group on Facebook. We have a new O'Malley's move this week. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I am Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a $2, $5 No Limit Omaha home game. I prefer the No Limit aspect because the bets tend to be more like No Limit Hold'em than Pot Limit Omaha. Basically, there isn't a perceived mandatory pot-sized bet every round. The buy-in is 500 and the game is 8-handed. The blinds post and we're under the gun with pretty close to our starting stack. We look down at the Ace of Spades, Ace of Diamonds, Jack of Diamonds, Ten of Clubs. Nothing much to say here. Let's raise it up. We make it $15 to go. The plus one folds, the MP calls, the cutoff calls. This player is fairly new to Omaha, but is a very strong No Limit Hold'em player. He's catching on pretty quickly. He bought in for 500 and currently has close to 700. The button calls, the small blind folds, and the big blind calls. There's already $75 in the pot, and the flop is the 10 of spades, 8 of diamonds, 4 of diamonds. This is a pretty good flop for our hand. We have an overpair as well as a flush draw and a backdoor straight draw. When the big blind checks, we make a $50 bet into the pot. The MP folds, the cutoff calls, but the rest of the table folds. There's now 175 in the pot and the turn is the queen of spades. That gives us even more outs. We make a $100 bet. The cutoff pauses, checks his cards, and seems to genuinely think for a time before calling. There's now 375 in the pot, and the river is the jack of spades. We missed. We do have the ace of spades blocker, and have improved to two pair, but we have less than a pot-sized bet in our stack. What's the move? It's time at advancedpokertraining.com. Hand of the week. Send your hands for situations to podcast at antiamagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And Chris, I think it's been too long since our friend Big G was back on the show. I so know. I moved him up into the queue so we could uh, talk about him this week. Very good. All right, here's his setup this week. So I usually don't play on Sundays, but after returning the felt after COVID and booking wins of 297 bucks and 408 bucks within the week, I decided to play a relaxed session and, sat- and be satisfied with a small win. Uh, I arrived just after 12.30 p.m. to find three tables running, all one, two, no limit hold'em. And I'm fifth on the wait list. Before I can wash my hands, we have two more players arrive, and they open a new table. I cash out after this uh, hand. Um, I don't even go that far. Um, but, yeah, so here we go. So that was the setup. Um, let's see. So it's seven-handed now. And he says, under the gun, opens the action with a raise to $10. He says, standard opening races have been all over the place, with some players sticking to seven, others 10, and me on the higher side with 15 to 17. Another gun player begins the hand with squiggly 350, and I have the table covered. Middle position player calls uh, with his $450 stack, and it's on me in the hijack with Ace of Diamonds, King of Clubs. Well, um, Vic likes to re-raise, but I, I just I don't know what this under-the-gun player plays like. It's kind of early. Um, I, I 
you know, it's a brand new table. So it's tough to, you know, I guess you revert back to, Hey, when you see this hand, you know, it's good enough to pop it again. So now if you go all the way back to something like theory of poker by Sklansky, he would tell you that if this guy's playing that way, under the gun players would raise with the same hand that we have or better. Right. So right now we're at best tied with this guy. If he were playing ABC theory of poker, you know, way of playing. So, um, I still, I want to be in position, and since we're in the hijack and we're not even the cutoff or the button, I, I'm going to want to probably raise again, try to at least know that we're going to be the last person to act on this hand, and we'll kind of get an idea if this guy is a loose under-the-gun player or if he's just, you know, if he's if he re-raises this again, then we got an idea of what this guy's going to be playing moving forward when he's under the gun. So with a caller, you know, I might make it 50 to go. Plus, like I said, or like Vic had said, he tends to raise on the higher end, so he might actually re-raise on the higher end as well. So 50 sounds about right. Yeah, certainly. Generally, I always assume that Vig is the best player in any of these games. So if you're the best player, you should be raising and putting pressure on on folks. Um, but for, for a lesser player like me, <laughs> uh, I, my concern is your concern. We have another gun player that raised. Uh, we, he's been There's been uh, no... Um, uh, information given to us um, on him, right? So uh, if we raise and then he re-raises us, where does that leave us now, right? Uh, it's unlikely that that means queens, which means it's aces, kings, or ace-king, as you mentioned. And that's a tough way to play the rest of the hand, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. if we, we hit one of them, you know, is it the right one? <laughs> um, and, I mean, in that scenario, you would you would hope it would be the king, uh, I'm sorry, the ace, but it, it all, but, but that doesn't either. You don't know for sure, right? So, so I guess there's a case to raise here. See if he re-raises at that point, then I, I'm feeling not so good about this hand. Um, the, so <clears throat> the other way to take is is to kind of be sneaky and just call here and disguise the strength. What looks like the strength of your hand. It could be the weakness of your hand, and see how it plays out. I mean, again, we keep talking about ace king. We've always joked about it being the drawing hand, but. Um, it is a Broadway hand, right? So if you're at aces, if you're up against aces or kings, you know, flopping or turning or rivering a straight is a good way of beating that hand. So uh, I guess it just depends on your level of confidence here. Um, the, the probably the proper play is to race. So and and you said what fifty? Which yeah, is probably right. yeah. You know, the, the other thing too, I'm thinking is, um, you know, if we just called we might see the cutoff and button come along for a cheap price. And then they're going to be playing any cards that we can't really narrow down. And then we're going to be acting before them. And so the raise really feels right here, but unless we knew they were going to fold, like if we, in the brief time we sat with them, they seem pretty passive or, you know, whatever, then I might, I might just call, but for the most part, I'm probably popping it here. Well, and I think the good thing, uh, if the, uh, one more check mark in the call department is what you're saying so if we get a lot of other callers after us because we're in the hijack so um now we shift our strategy right yeah now, now yeah. we're not looking for an ace or a king we're looking for that broadway so and if that flop comes with nothing then it's easy to get out of it at that point and, and let them go to war but if we you know hit a jack and a queen there then or 10 now i'm feeling a little bit better about it so yeah all right, um, let's see. He says, uh, here's my perception of the rest of the table. The cutoff is very loose and sits with squiggly 200. The players in the button and in the small blind, the better players at the table, but have been playing very tight. 
they each sit with around the max buy-in of 400 bucks. The big blind is a former dealer that sits on a short stack, squiggly 90 after doubling through the end of the gun player on the previous hand. So uh, big slick in the hijack, what's the move? He says, I've been the player opening pots and three betting most of the sessions, so we decided to try to disguise the strength of our hand this time with a call. Next three players fold, and the big blind calls, so we're in position with four to a flop. So, all right, well, I, I like that the fact that he's mixing it up. Um, and I did mention disguising the strength of their hand. The only concern is we, <laughs> if it's not as strong as somebody else's hand, right? So, yeah. Um, but we'll get we'll get some uh, clarity here, I think, on this flop. So. Well, the other thing, too, that's interesting is that we didn't know before I gave all that analysis with you that the end of the gun just doubled someone up. You know, so this under the gun oh, raise no, now, yeah, right? It was a big one, big one, double through. Oh, yeah, we oh, still don't have any more information on the under the gun. Oh, okay, all right. Freaks. I thought it was the under the gun player. I was going to say because then it's like, well, he could be playing any cards now because he's on tilt, you know. But if yeah. it's not him, then never mind. Okay. All right, uh, pot is thirty-five bucks after the rake, and the flop is the ace of hearts, ten of clubs, four of hearts. Big blind checks, and the under the gun player bets the same ten dollars. Middle position player folds, and it's on us. Wow. Um, okay, so if the guy hit a set of aces, he w- probably wouldn't bet, um, but maybe he would. $10 seems kind of weird. He would, he'd bet $10, that's yeah. a good bet. Yeah, that's a good, for 10 bucks, like, you know, less than a third of the pot. Um, I don't know, I think I want my answers. There's Broadway there, there's Flush there, and I want to know what this guy's playing, like, I think I'm popping it. I think the guy should have bet 35 or not 35. He should have bet like 20, 25. Yeah. And, uh, and when he didn't, I think we should correct that mistake now and make it like 40 and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, so we picked up one of our Broadway cards, a 10, uh, but the ace is not, first going for the straight is not the card we want. Obviously, it makes our hand better. So at this point, I think we, we got to get some clarity as where we are here. We can't just keep calling and disguising. We got to, we got to mix some things up. We got to figure out what the big blind has here. Um, and more importantly, obviously, the under the gun. Yeah. Um, all right. Our hero says, uh, this $10 C-bet seems weak on a draw-heavy flop. We decide on a raise to $45 to protect against the flush and Broadway draws. If we get raised by the small stack, I guess we're going to go to the mattresses. But if we get raised by the under the gun player, we'll have a difficult decision. Big one gets out of the way, and the villain just calls, so we're heads up to the turn. Okay. Okay. Right, I, I kind of feel better about this i mean obviously a set of aces might just call here and let us hang ourselves um but i don't know i'm feeling better about this so yeah i mean if you had a set of aces you probably would have bet more on that flop and if you didn't bet more on that flop now you've got somebody on the hook for more money the pot's growing wouldn't you want now protect that and and raise again and if you're i mean i guess it would be you know hey i'm playing with my cards face up but still i i also don't want somebody to hit their flush because they decided to try to get the free card on the river you know, by raising now. So I still want them to pay for that. I, I feel like if this guy didn't bet again, we're ahead, but I don't know. Maybe not. All right. With $125 in the pot, the dealer turns the jack of hearts. So our board now is ace of hearts, 10 of clubs, four of hearts, jack of hearts. And with little hesitation, our opponent slides out a stack of 20 red ships. It's on us for $100 to call. Yeah, that sucks. I mean... I don't think the guy had king queen, but the heart got there, and now I mean we picked up a Broadway, you know, draw, but the hearts are already there, so the straight could be meaningless. Um, I, I'm just gonna call. I know Vic. Will, well, Vic, 
it's either call or shove, I would think, anyway, because you, you can only have, you know, you just bought in for the max of 400 and he's got table covered. He can only, you know, unless he's got 800 in front of him, which I doubt. You know what I mean? It's probably a, a shove or call or fold move here. So I'm probably just going to call, try to keep the pot respectable. Yeah, well, the other gun player started with squiggly 350, and we I'm, we haven't covered, so, it, yeah. No, two fi- oh. I wrote 250. You sure it's 350? Yep, I just went back. Other gun player begins the hand with squiggly 350. Uh, I wrote 250. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so if he bets 100 there, and then his other $10 bets, so, I mean, he's only got 200 left, so a raise would put him all in anyway, so it's basically a shove or call. I'm not folding. All right, not folding. All right. Um, you know, I think if you think back of this, hearts do not make sense. So that that lends credence to the uh, razor fold. I mean, I don't know what the fold. The fold would be, I guess, ace jack. I mean, I could, there's lots of players that play ace jack under the gun for a raise, even though they probably shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and so that's not good for us, though. That does give us some outs um, in addition to our Broadway outs. But the hearts just don't make sense to me, I don't think. I mean, because now you're talking king-queen of hearts, right? Yeah. It's really the only legitimate heart hand I can think. Because um, the ace and jack are already on the board, so now you're down to the nine after that. I mean, ten have, hearts. He could have ace-king with the king of hearts, and he's betting top pair, top kicker, broad ray, and nut flush draw. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's that. Yeah, but that's not a made flush, so. Right, right. Um, yeah. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, I really am starting to think that either we're chopping this pot. He has ace-jack, which is not good for us. Um, but we're not drawing dead with, like, a flush. So, right, yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like to call for a couple of reasons. Still disguises our hand. I mean, we haven't done much here, right? We, we had that one raise, but then he came right out to it. I mean, bit right into his again now, so... Eh. Kind of think I think I'm going with the call here and see what he does on the river. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, Harris says this wasn't the best turn card. Not only did the flush and Broadway straights get there, but we can add Ace Jack to the list of hands that now beat us. After a quick peek, we confirm the fact that we have no heart. Our opponent may have a pair with a heart in his betting that turns to semi bluff. Uh, we have a look at his neatly stacked chips and see that he's got exactly two hundred and one dollars remaining. Uh, a few questions. What is he putting us on? Can we call him the spot? Or is this a fold or jam situation? What's the move? Uh, I don't know what he's putting us on here. Yeah. I would assume he has, he would assume that we have an ace. It's just a matter of how big our ace is. Uh, he doesn't seem too scared by us having that ace, right? Um, or he is, he's trying to play these hearts, which is a bad bluff if he doesn't have the hearts. I guess we have to we have to we have to think deep and wonder what would a player who was willing to bet ten dollars on one street now bet ten times that amount on the next street? What would right. give him that confidence or that urgency to now bet ten times what he was willing to bet before because the jack of hearts came? He's willing now to put in a hundred when he wasn't before. And so it feels like two pair because, and now he's protecting against the fourth heart. Yeah, he's worried about the hearts. Yep. And, the, and the fourth straight card. So it feels like we're behind. And I, I, I still want to call because I, I want to see what happens. But <laughs> and it's fixed money, not ours. Yeah, it's fixed money. But I, I, <laughs> I, I wonder, and that if you analyze that part of the story, 
hey, I've got this hand, and this flop hit it, and I am only willing to bet 10 and call 30 more when it's a, re- when a raise. Now, a jack of hearts comes, which makes it even more dangerous, and I'm happy, or I'm urgent. So, yeah. something, either one of those make, is not good news for us. You're right. I don't yep. think. Yep. You know? So, um, I'm going to call, but I'm going to be really careful on the river and, and hope we get showdown for cheap price, unless we hit something amazing, which I don't see that can be, because hearts are still out there. So, yeah, I'm going to be cautious with this call. Well, our queen would give us our Broadway, right? So, yeah, but the hearts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the hearts are there, so. Yeah, but again, I, I've. You don't believe I that, don't, so. Okay. I, I'm having trouble believing he has hearts. Now, he could surprise me here, but really, really surprised if he has hearts. I, I think he's protecting against hearts, is what, as we just said. I don't think he has hearts, so. Okay. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that, so that means we're, we're behind, but not drawing dead. I guess that's what I'm saying. You know, right, if, right. If it's flush out there, we'd be drawing dead, but uh, we're not. We're not to that point yet, and and even if he has king queen, we're not drawing dead either because we can still split this pot. So, uh, all right, uh, here it says we take our time with this, but eventually decide on a call. Uh, I'm not sure what we're looking for in the river, so I guess I was interpreting his $100 bet as a bluff when the scary jack of hearts hit the turn. I position so maybe he'll hang himself on the river. The pot of three twenty-five. The dealer puts the queen of dying. Uh, sorry, queen of spades on the river, making the final board ace of hearts, ten of clubs, four of hearts, jack of hearts, queen of spades. And uh, again, without uh, any hesitation, he slides both stacks of reds and the one dollar capper into the pot. Two hundred and one for us to call. Yeah, I mean, we're probably we're probably splitting this pot. I, I would think there's nothing else for us to decide here. It's either we're calling or it's over. So. I don't see myself folding with a three hundred twenty-five dollar pot. And we have Broadway, and we weren't sold on the hearts. So we weren't I, sold on the right. Yeah, so sorry. we gotta, you know, if he has any pittance left, just put them all in. But I don't know if he does, so we just call him. Yeah, at this point, I think the worst case is uh, we're chopping. Yeah. Uh, I really don't think they're hearts. I'm gonna be really <laughs> feeling stupid if this guy turns over two hearts here. But uh, but yeah, I think worst case we're chopping this pot, and best case uh, he, he's he's done everything he can to get us off his hand, not realizing that we that we have a second. Uh, and that's it's but the uh, second highest hand rank here. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Our here says we go into the tank. What hands does he have that you can open from under the gun? Bet call the flop and then leave the turn and shove the river. He could have played uh, hands like Queen of Hearts, Ten of Hearts, or Ten of Hearts, Nine of Hearts like this. But he could also play hands like uh, Ace X with King of Hearts, King of Hearts, Queen of Hearts with any Broadway card like this too. Was he getting tricky with a hand like Five of Hearts, Trey of Hearts, and bet hundred on the turn and protect against the fourth heart? We eventually decide on a call and are rewarded when we hear him say two pair. Ace and jacks, right? Ace is up. Queen of clubs, jack of diamonds, and we drag in the $727 pot. Wow. wow. Yeah, queen jack? Much weaker than we thought. And that was a perfect river card for us then. Holy cow. More money on this guy at that point without the, him improving the two pair. And a ballsy move from him there, too. I mean, any king has him beat there. I mean, any king. Oh my! It didn't it seem like it was perfectly ace and jack? I mean, like ace is up. That's what we thought it was. That's why he would have bet the hundred. Why does he bet a hundred on the turn with just hitting his bottom pair, and everything in the world gets there on that street? That's bizarre. Well, I, I, I guess if I put myself in his head, what he's trying to do is represent any of those other hands. And if you think about it, I mean, with a hand we had, he had us beat with everything. You know, if he had hearts, which we didn't believe. 
Uh, he has his beat. Um, he could have already had a straight, but we're still drawing ours. And he had ace jack. He had his, you know, he had two pair and we had single pairs. So, you know, he was probably just trying to push us off the hand, and we just were stubborn. <laughs> I mean, this is this is why we make so much money when we play one two or one three because. I mean, seriously, on that river, just because you made two pair, I mean, think about it. You raised under the gun with queen jack off. Then you got a bunch of callers. The flop comes with a gutter for you, and you bet 10. Somebody raises you to 40, telling you they have you beat. You call. The turn gets you one pair and still the gutter. But it completes Broadway, it completes hearts, and it completes different sets that might have stick around for one street. And who knows? There's all kinds of hands now that beat your bottom your bottom pair, but not bottom pair on the board. Right. And then he comes you know, just barrels blasting for a hundred bucks when he couldn't even muster a half the pot on the street before. And then when the queen gets there, he shoves. Now I don't care, you're not forcing he's gotta think, Oh, this guy only needs a king to beat me now. And he obviously had an ace in his hand. He could have easily had ace-queen by calling your preflop raise under the gun. So two pair easily aces up could easily be in your holding the way you played it as the hero. And this guy shells for 200. This is why people don't understand what stories are. And, of course, we're trying to make this guy's story, and we, we failed miserably. <laughs> right? So now you know, though. Now you made you want a $500 pot. Well, 700 when we called. You want a $700 pot off this guy, and you know that he plays weird, and so now you can move forward with that information, and now stories really won't make sense with this guy moving forward. But, wow, that's a bizarre holding. Bizarre holding. Yeah. And I wonder, because we were talking about raising preflop, uh, Vic uh, got a little trickier, uh, which I think worked out for him here, but if we raised, I wonder what would have happened. What he would have called. Yeah, probably, but that's a, that's a tough call to make there. I mean... I mean, preflop, yeah, guy, you know, he, he he was willing to call 30 more after the flop when he missed it basically completely. I think he would call, you know, 30 more preflop with whatever hand he fell in love with there, Queen Jack. I mean, and it's funny now, if you go back into time and we had said, hey, uh, tell us if Queen Jack makes sense, you know, from the yeah. beginning. He'd be like, well, he wouldn't raise a Queen Jack under the gun. Oh, he did. Oh, well, he wouldn't bet that flop under the gun, but he did. Uh, he wouldn't bet a hundred by hitting just one. Oh, uh, but he did. Uh, he wouldn't shove by making that with. Oh, uh, but he did. I mean, seriously, there's no story that makes sense with this guy. Right. Yep. Insane. Well, you know, Vic always wins though, so that's that's the key to the hand of the week. Well, and I would say the good thing for this player is if you've established yourself as as being this way out of the norm. It, it makes it harder to play against them, right? If he knows how to play it that way, but he proved through the rest of the hand that he doesn't know how to play it that way. Right. It, it would right. be it would behoove him to now play ABC poker because they'll yes. say, well, this guy doesn't play that way, and then boom, he turns over the standard ace ace, you know, when he raises under the gun or something. But in this case, wow, that was that was that was one of the more shocking two pair hand I've ever seen. I've ever we've ever talked about on the show. Yeah, that's bizarre. <laughs> See, I was positive. I was positive at the end of the show. <laughs> I have time to squeeze in one more denouement. <laughs> I'm Chris Casedza. <laughs> we'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. 
Contact the show at podcast at antietmagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antietmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.